back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the In Control Family Foundation Safe Driving Podcast. And today I have with me Steve Moschel from Fresh Green Light. Hello, Steve. Hello, Dan and Jeremy. And Jeremy Randall, our Director of Operations. Hi, Jeremy. Hello, all. So today we are talking about Skill 9, driving on rural roads. And this is certainly something that people will have an opportunity to practice if they live in a part of the country they have access to rural roads, which is a big chunk of the country. But it's worth reviewing regardless of where you're driving on a daily basis. And Jeremy, maybe if you can just kind of kick us off with this lesson one about what rural roads bring as a safety challenge. Sure. So what we're talking about here basically is is unpaved roads for the most part. So whether it's gravel, dirt, and Dan, I like what you said there. It really does apply. Even if you live in a city, this lesson could end up applying to snow or some other uh, slippery situation in which you might you might find yourself in. You know, what we're looking for here is if you have access to it, find a gravel road, ideally fairly wide and not very commonly traveled. A lot of people have these kind of off the beaten path. You might be able to find it. Make sure it's a public road and make sure you are allowed to have access to it. Again, from a driving school perspective and from a new parent working with your kid, you're 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 used to driving from point A to point B, which is usually your house to school or your house to the driving school or your house to the store. And these other situations that you will encounter sooner or later as a driver are really important to try to seek out as a parent uh, to to have your your new driver practice. So I, I agree with Jeremy. Try to find that place, even if it's not part of your daily driving routine. Find a place that's close by where you can practice this kind of driving. And I actually spent most of elementary school in the West Coast in Northern California. And when they did the paving of the roads, they would throw gravel down. And there was a long stretch of time where they didn't come back and throw the asphalt down on top of it. So, you know, construction areas, those are the things that you're right, Jeremy, you're going to come in, in in contact with this type of road surface, regardless of whether you're out driving in farm country. So you need to know how to do these things. So with, with that, let's talk about the hazards themselves. One of the things that starts off here talking about is large and slow vehicles. And if you spent any time in farm country, you find that tractors and vehicles, I couldn't tell you what the names of them actually are, are traveling the roads regularly, you have to coexist. This is an issue with construction vehicles that go on you know, in city streets as well, but you have to coexist with these things. One of the bigger issues that they point out here is that you want to make sure they can see you. Having done some work in the construction industry in a former life, they got plenty of windows, but it doesn't mean they're turning. It doesn't mean the person actually glancing as well as they should. So you really got to pay close attention before you try to overtake one of those vehicles and make sure they're not suddenly going to just cross the road in front of you. And then the bigger point that I think, Jeremy, I'll have you start with is let's talk about these you know, drop-offs and gravel shoulders that people have to work with. Sure. So just to add on to what you were saying too, the slower vehicles, think about it just like the larger trucks on the road too. If you can't see the driver in the mirror, or you can't see their mirrors, the mirror can't see you. And unless that person turns around and does look out that big back window and you can physically see that, then don't assume that they have seen you just to be safe. But when we start getting into these, you know, these drop offs, these gullies on the side of the road uh, and just slippery surfaces in general and and uneven road surfaces with potholes, you're going to want to make sure that, you know, you follow this guide as far as slowing down, Uh, avoid any sudden turns, accelerating, braking, um, and increase your following distance as well, just to be a little bit safer. I think that's, those are all just good rules to follow anytime you have reduced traction and reduced grip and therefore reduced control. 
and think about doing everything as smoothly as you possibly can. I think this is a good rule every time you're driving, no matter what. You should always be as smooth as you can and only ask what you need from the vehicle. But when you talk about reduced grip, gravel, dirt, potentially mud, all kinds of different slippery surfaces, you need to realize that all those rules become that much more important. If you brake aggressively, accelerate aggressively, or steer aggressively, you're very likely to ask more than the vehicle has for control. And what ends up happening is you lose control. Just quickly, let's go over those sharp drop-offs and, and those gravel shoulders, because some of the steps they talk about here. Ideally, we're not going to ask for a lot of change. So it's the same idea here. We're not going to turn the wheel unless we absolutely have to. We're going to ease our foot off the accelerator. We're going to try just to uh, look towards the road and aim the vehicle towards the road. So that's minimal steering, hopefully. And apply the brake pedal gently at first. And if you need more, it's it's okay to ask more. But try to make sure that you are going in the directions your wheels are pointed and we ask for that brake pressure. Because if you're sliding sideways and you hit the brakes, even with a little bit of pressure on a slippery surface, the wheels, you could actually lose that grip and you could start to slide towards the side of the road. So those are all things we want to consider. It's gentle. It's smooth. Look where you want to go. It's the same basic rules we should follow on a paved road. Just it becomes that much more important when we have less grip and less traction. Yeah, Jeremy, what I'd say is a, a couple of things about tire tires, and I think we don't think about this often enough, but you know, we're really talking about an area that's maybe six inches by six inches, eight inches by eight inches on each tire that's actually gripping the road, which is really not a lot of surface area. So again, when you're on a gravel area or something that's you know slippery, you're going to slow down. The speed limit is the suggested speed limit under ideal conditions. This is not an ideal condition. And I think the other thing I'd, I'd, I want to reinforce is one very common accident for new drivers is driving on these rural roads, maybe losing a little control of the car, veering a little too far over from the right, the wheels drop off the road, and immediately new drivers panic. And the first thing they do is they turn that wheel hard to the right or the left, and it pulls them back onto the road and across, typically, the lane of traffic into the other lane of traffic. And it's a very, very dangerous accident. So I think the point is, if you do fall off the side of the road, the best thing you can do is, A, get your foot off the gas as soon as possible, get control of the vehicle. Like you said, start braking when you feel like you're in control of the vehicle. And my suggestion at that point is, take a minute and just stop. Take a deep breath, make sure you're okay. And then put your turn signal on and get back on the road when it's safe to do so. But this is a very common accident for new drivers, and it's important to know how to react. And, and that is keeping keeping patient, take your foot off the gas, and just slow down. Steve, just to add on top of that, I think that's a great point. And less is more in a situation like this. So you do want to point your front tires, right, the ones you have control over the steering wheel, in the direction you want the car to go. But make sure you're looking far down the road. So when you look further down the road, you tend to react with less steering. Right when you look right in front of the car, you panic, you whip that wheel. Right, that's when you're gonna like like Steve said, you're gonna lose control. You're gonna go into the opposite lane of traffic. You're gonna steer more than you actually wanted. Pick those eyes up a little bit. Right, gentle steering. Less is more in a situation like this. Right, and and you don't want to overreact and lose control. I think also, you know, to your point about following distance, this is really important when you get to these situations where you're behind a a tractor or a combine, Dan, that's, I think, what one of those uh, uh, vehicles would <laughs> There we go. I'm learning something every day. You know, they're kicking up a lot of dust, too. If it hasn't rained and they're driving on a gravel road or a dirt road, there's a lot of dust being kicked up. And 
you do want to move back uh, so you have a clear line of sight, not only of them, but of what's happening in front of you, any potholes that are in the, the road. So following distance has got to definitely be increased when you're on these kind of roads. Yeah, I think that, you know, we had talked before about what the proper following distance is. You know, here in the guide, it says to basically double it, but I'd say it's what you need. So make sure that you can see if the dust is still thick, back off even more. It's okay to leave more distance for sure. And along with all of this is another issue you run into with some of these rural roads is the visibility being restricted. So you may not have the same clearing uh, next to the road that you might have with some of the suburban and city roads. So they talk about, you know, buildings, hills, cornfields, trees, just different things that may you, you might not be able to see oncoming traffic coming towards you at an intersection. So just be much more aware of those obstacles and prepared for them, uh, particularly as you approach intersections and, you know, uncontrolled intersections. You can only put so many signs up across some of these rural areas, uh, including for railroad crossings. They're not necessarily going to have full fledged, you know, signals that come down and block traffic. They might just have a railroad sign. So you really have to pay a lot more attention to what's going on around you and the signs that are directing you along the way. Absolutely. And also realize that your your lanes aren't going to be marked on these gravel and dirt roads either. So make sure that you are still staying on the proper side of the road. If it is almost like a single lane in each direction or a lane and a half in each, uh, excuse me, a lane and a half total, then, you know, you might be driving a little bit more to the center just to avoid those those drop offs on the side of the road. But be aware of oncoming traffic and make sure you do slow down and move over and let people go by, especially as a newer driver. If you're on one of these roads, just a thought, it, it might be a good idea to turn your lights on. If there's a lot of dust being kicked up by the vehicle in front of you and you know that there will be vehicles coming the other way, having your lights on in this kind of situation is always helpful to let other drivers, and frankly, the, the, even the vehicle in front of you know that, that you're behind them. Definitely want people to know that you're out there. The next concept that they are reviewing is animals, and that's a huge problem. You'd be surprised where you're driving when suddenly deer are coming out across the road and and they can do a lot of damage to you personally. They can do a ton of damage to your car. Unfortunately, we do quite a bit of damage to them when we hit them. But there are some things that you may want to be thinking about with regards to animals and, and their impacts on the roads. Jeremy, why don't you start us off? Sure. So first, I just want to um, you know kind of touch on the different types of animals we might come across and not be specific to the, you know, the actual type, but, you know, larger animals like those deers and moose and, and whatnot, that could do physical harm to us or significant harm to our vehicle. We do need to react to as objects in the road. We do need to slow way down. If one jumps right in front of us, we might have to get aggressive with that brake pedal. We need to be aware that we actually, we do really need to avoid these, these animals and we have to do what we can to, to not hit them. But when we talk about animals like squirrels and, and rabbits and, and things along those lines, chipmunks in the road, I'm not trying to say that you're, you're going to go after them. But you can't have major reactions, especially on a on a dirt or gravel road like this. You slam on the brake and you turn the wheel, you're taking a huge risk and there's a very high chance you lose control. And what happens as a result could be much worse. You might not have actually hit that squirrel because they're jumping all over the road, but instead you slid off the side of the road into a tree. So before you go on these roads, and you know what, in, in general, have a conversation with your teen about these, whether it's a paved or an unpaved road. We can't react aggressively. We can't react by asking a lot of the vehicles, slamming on the brake, aggressive steering for these smaller animals. And, you know, let them know it's not about trying to hit them or not caring about them. That's not it at all. It's that we can't take that greater risk of losing control and, and hitting a kid on the side of the road or losing control and, and causing a head-on collision. 
And we have to sort of have to weigh our uh, the risk versus reward of, of doing something aggressive there. When you talk about those bigger animals, you can react with that brake pedal to start. And you want to get that car slowed down. Even on a gravel road, you're going to be slowing down aggressively with your ABS braking system. And you can steer, but it's not a good idea unless you absolutely have to. And if you do have to, look to the open space, right? Look to the, the rear of the vehicle. Ideally, they're not going to jump back. Um, but look to the rear of the, the, uh, the vehicle or the animal or whatever it is you're trying to avoid. And just as much steering as you need. And don't take your foot off that ABS brake pedal. Um, we'll, we'll certainly talk more about this when we, you know, talk a little bit more about crash prevention in a, in a future episode. Uh, but make sure we understand that it's brakes first always. And I think, you know, living in the Northeast as we do, or really anywhere in the country, deer are out there. It's probably been covered in another lesson, but you can't, you can't cover it enough as far as I'm concerned. If you see one deer, there's more deer around. They travel in packs. And if you see a deer on the side of the road, be prepared that there's more there. If one crosses the road in front of you, there's more there. So you want to slow down. It's typically early in the morning or, or around sunset when we see the deer, but they are out there and we got to pay attention to them. I think the last thing that we can discuss from this section is hills and curves. And I can't honestly say I've personally noticed that, you know, hills are hillier and curves are curvier in, in rural areas. But I get the, the premise that, you know, you can have some sharper roads that might not have you know, maybe they were they were built around other obstructions and, and they weren't planned to be roads in the first place. And the, the main point is when you get up and you're approaching the crest of that hill, you do not want to be, and this is regardless of whether it's a rural road or any community that you're driving in, you do not want to be on the left side of the road. You really want to be as far to the right as you can be safely so that as you come over that hill, if someone else is driving down the middle or too far into the their left hand side of the road, they won't potentially you know run into you, and you can avoid them the best you can. And and same thing with turning. You know, as you're going around these curves, and there's some blind spots in the front of you as you are making a tight turn. The further to the right in the road you can be, the safer you're going to be. Absolutely. I, I mean, I know I'm a broken record, but it's about vision again. You can't see over the crest of the hill. You can't see around the curve. So you don't know what's coming and how fast they're coming. So stay stay further to your side of the road. Slow down a lot. That'll give you more time if there is a problem. Um, and, and that's it. Like Dan said, just stay to the right. And I think as a new driver, assume someone's coming. You know, it's better to be safe than sorry. Assume someone is coming around that curve or over that hill. Slow down, maybe even more than you you, you feel like you should, just to make sure, absolute sure that you're safe. And the, the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll get, the more comfortable you'll get driving to the far right side of the road without going off the road. But at this point, it's it's worth it to take a little bit of extra time, a little bit of extra caution when you're driving, just to make sure you're extra safe. And Jeremy and Steve, since we've kind of accomplished this episode maybe a little quicker than some of the others, I, I thought maybe I'll just throw a curveball at both of you, and we can talk a little bit about what the best car is for your future driver. I'm going to go with you know, obviously the newer the car, the better. And I know that's tough to say, uh, but the newer the car, the safer they are very often. And I, not everybody can afford a newer car. So try to think about vehicles that have ABS brakes, ideally that have traction control and stability control. All right. These are really important safety features. They're backup safety features, but they're really important, especially for a newer driver. And I know a lot of people think I'm probably going to say an SUV or a crossover. I'm going with a four-door sedan, right? They tend to not have a ton of power. They have enough space for everything you need. They have the highest safety standards, so they're going to be the safest uh, type of vehicle for you. 
I know a lot of people think bigger is safer, but that's not necessarily the case. Bigger vehicles have different jobs, like driving off-road or with high ground clearance, but they have to make some concessions to be able to do that. And often they come in the form of safety to be able to tow, to be able to, to be rougher and tougher and, you know, bump into that tree off on the trail, that sort of thing, you know, Jeeps and, and pickup trucks, they have different jobs and they have to give up safety features to be really good at those jobs. Something like crumple zones is really important. And so look at safety ratings, look at reliability and look for something like that in, in your price range and, and try to get the newest vehicle that has the most amount of safety features in the price range that you're in. That's my recommendation. Yeah, I, 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 I joke it with our class. We're, again, we're in the Northeast like you guys, and, and uh, it is not the Jeep Wrangler that is the best vehicle for new drivers, which is what everybody in Connecticut wants. I'm going to go with you, Jeremy. I think the reality is you can buy a two- or three-year-old midsize uh, four-door sedan that has the safety features, and the most important thing to have on a car is the safety features. And I'm going to back up. All cars, really, fairly new cars, have uh, ABS Traction control is super important for new drivers. Find a car that has traction control. And you, again, you can go to CarMax or one of these used car places and find a couple-year-old sedan that's, that's just fine for a, a new student. You don't need to go out and buy a brand-new car. BMWs or high-performance cars are absolutely not the right cars for new students. So I'm going to go with you. Mid-size sedan with safety features, you can't go wrong. Absolutely. And let me just point out too that every 2012 model and newer in the United States has ABS, traction, and stability control as standard features now. So you can kind of go 2012 model and beyond, you're looking pretty good. But really every year they add new safety features to cars and make them standard versus optional, that sort of thing. So the newer the better, but I agree it does not need to be a new car, that's for sure. And you know, Consumer Reports does a great job every year of recommending the best new cars for new drivers. I, I mean, I'm sure probably AAA does as well, but I, I tend to really uh, uh, like Consumer Reports objectivity and the way they look at new cars. But every year, if you just go in and Google best new car for teen drivers, you'll see what the, the latest recommendations are from Consumer Reports. And I think that's a great place to start. No arguments here either. And I will add just to open eyes for parents a little bit, I'm a big fan of the midsize sedan. The newer, the better. You know, not all safety features are as beneficial as others. You, you, we talked in, a, in another episode about how best to set up your mirrors. I frankly have not seen any evidence to suggest that a blinking light on your mirror is going to avoid people from changing lanes if there's a car in their, quote, blind spot. But looking at a car in your mirror just before you change lanes tends to really scare you off. But I'll take it a step further and say, when you're doing the hand-me-down car stuff, or if you're buying a used car, be conscious of tires. You know, mm -hmm. make sure that the vehicle that you're getting has traction, has, you know, enough tread depth. We've talked about that in a previous episode as well, but that's something that when you're dealing with used cars, anytime you turn in your car, you don't throw a set of tires on it just before you drop it off at the dealership. And I can promise you most dealers aren't excited to throw a set of tires on a car before they sell it off their lot. Also, think about how many people fit in that vehicle. You know, a lot of families have a minivan and they decide, okay, the minivan is going to become their son or daughter's first vehicle. And it may not be an unsafe vehicle. A lot of minivans are on, you know, vehicle chassis and they're, they're fairly safe to maneuver around, but they're heavier. And then all of a sudden they get six or seven of their friends in that vehicle. And the way it controls is very different than the way a midsize sedan would control. Absolutely. So just be conscious of those things. Not everything's as obvious as, is it an SUV or is it a pickup truck? 
but be conscious of that vehicle and what that vehicle is capable of and how many people can fit inside, then I think you make your decision. And in my case, I've joked that I was planning on buying a midsize sedan, painting it pink and putting my cell phone number on the side of it. We didn't go with pink or cell phone number, but uh, we did end up with a, a midsize sedan. And, and I expect that to be the vehicle for at least my first two drivers in the household. And then we'll have to see what's left of it after four or five years for the younger kids. Yeah, one, one of the advantages of owning a driving school is that we go through our fleets every four or five years. And, and our kids have been the lucky recipients of uh, very well-used driving school cars, whether they like it or not. They're safe cars, and uh, it's been a great way to get them out on the road safely. And Dan, I'm going to agree with you about tires. It's the first thing you should look at when you're buying a new or used car. And if you don't have great tires on your car, it's a great investment to make right away. Jeremy, Steve, thank you very much for your time today. And for those of you listening, we appreciate you coming along with us. And we look forward to you hearing us again soon. 